You're listening to The Bob and Bo Show. Here are your hosts, Ty Bob and Ty Bo. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am Tyler Savatinaya. You can follow me on Twitter at Ty underscore Bob underscore. Had to think about that one for a minute. Uh, <laughs> and we're also joined by Ty Bo. Uh, you can follow him and the show at Bob and Bo Show. Again, that's at Bob in Bo Show on Twitter. Um, yeah, it's man, it's it's been a week. It's been a heck of a week. We've got injuries. We're just past week two of the preseason. Uh, we've got our final game coming up in two days. Uh, today is Tuesday that we're recording this. It'll come out. Um, so we've uh, been looking. There's some news out. Um, one of the most important pieces of news uh, that has been going around the interwebs, uh, TV and radio commercials, um, is a new law has been placed in Kansas. Now, it did go into effect a little while ago, but we had been waiting. When's it going to go in effect? When's it going to go in effect? Could have been right before Super Bowl or any time before then. And congratulations, Kansas. Not only did you approve of sports gambling in the state, you've also gotten it done, passed, and sports books set up in the state for online and in-person betting prior to week one. September 1st, Kansas, you will be allowed to bet by the end or uh, before the end of next week. Congratulations, Kansas. If you haven't signed up yet, Many, many, many of online sources are giving away free money. We won't name them because they do not sponsor us. So look into it. Yeah, it's all over. You really, really, really cannot miss it. Um, but one of the one of the funny things is we always talk about it in college, but some people do still do it in sports. Is like one thing that they bet on because I guess sports are just too complicated to look into and, and betting can really go either way. Um, just see the premier league where you have referees fixing soccer matches of the big six clubs uh, is people will just bet on their favorite mascot. Uh, and the cool thing that we've got going today, is I think Tybo's got a top five mascots. Yeah, we cooked something up. And I think, with your sentiment on on people betting on on mascots, I think it's probably more popular when you're talking about like March Madness versus right. like maybe people betting on football games. But that aside, um, I'm going to be honest. Like I didn't know a whole lot about NFL mascots before you know looking into this, preparing this list. Like I know Casey Wolf because he came to my elementary school and he's at the games that I go to all the time. Um, but as far as like other mascots on other teams, like occasionally I see them on TV, but I never really paid a whole lot of, of attention to it. But I think we got uh, a neat little list here um, that has to start off with my only honorable mention on the list, but it's an honorable mention for being so bad. It's it's Brownie the Elf. <laughs> been discontinued, by the way. No longer is he around. Oh, no. <laughs> even even if he's been discontinued just go look him up and just look at just laugh at brownie the elf for the cleveland browns because that's it's embarrassing that it was ever a part of the organization <laughs> well, even but as it's embarrassing very yeah it is, it is fitting <laughs> but so my top five um i'm gonna begin number five t-rack you haven't heard of him he's Tennessee Titans um, mascot, and he is a raccoon. 
And the reason why he's on this list, I guess I thought it was funny that the state animal of Tennessee is a raccoon. <laughs> I think that's also uh, fitting for <laughs> a state like Tennessee. What an embodiment of, I, of a state. I wasn't, I'm not going to use a phrase that, you know, is, is you can extrapolate though. There's, there's a phrase in my head that I would describe <laughs> Tennessee and it's uh goes goes well with raccoons you know i i'm sure lots of people in tennessee have raccoons as pets and <laughs> that's why Wouldn't good old t-rex that's why good old t-rex making the list here moving on up to number four um he's on this list um it's just kind of a uh recognizability like i've seen him on tv before and i could probably like point him out you know in a and a mob of mascots, but also because when I was a little kid, I did like pirates and I wanted to be a pirate. Uh, but good old Captain Fear uh, from the Buccaneers down in Tampa Bay. Um, you know, he fits the whole vibe down there. Like they have a pirate ship and everything. They got bombs or, uh, you know, cannons that go off when they score touchdowns. So Captain Fear is a good, it's a good fit. He's not embarrassing. Like there's nothing wrong with a, with a pirate mascot, you know? <laughs> uh number three um also recognizability um i think i've just i don't know i've seen him on tv the most i think uh you know peyton manning was good when i was a kid on the colts so uh maybe that's where i'm getting from but uh blue um from the indianapolis colts um just you know it's cool um, and I definitely, that was, if, if I had to think of a mascot that I knew of outside of Casey Wolf before looking into this list, it was definitely blue. Um, I think, um, I may have even seen him on Parks and Rec or Andy's talked about him on that show before. He really reminds me of like the NFL's version of the Philly fanatic, just something that's like he has a little bit more correspondence with the team, but it's this mascot that is a crazy color that really stands out over more yeah. of the rest of them and has also been around for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, number two, um, he's number two on this list because I thought it was a, I thought it was a neat story. He's based on an, an actual St. Bernard um, that used to sit on the sidelines of Saints games back in the day. Um, but gumbo for the saints, um, he's, he's just like an enlarged St. Bernard head, like a, you know, typical mascot looking type of thing. But purely why I put him at number two is because I love dogs. I love big dogs and St. Bernard's are cool. And I'm sure going to saints games back when they actually had that dog going, was, you know, it's probably cool to see. Um, but that should leave no doubt as to what number one is. Um, I don't, I doubt it's the same guy underneath the head, but like, you know, when I was a, a kid, I saw Casey Wolf take off his mascot head in my elementary school. And like the guy was, uh, I mean, he did it for a long time. Um, and he was a cool guy. I cannot remember his name for the life of me, but Casey Wolf is my guy. He's our mascot. And, you know, the only thing not racist about <laughs> our team name and stuff like war paint. <laughs> That's fair. 
That's totally fair. Um, but you know, like if we if we ever have to go through a team name change like the Redskins, um, I hope Casey Wolf sticks around. <laughs> I think it would. I mean, we we may just take that Red Wolves name like the Washington Commies should have taken. That might be cool. I would have been out of, and we can keep Casey Wolf. Wouldn't be bad. We could be the Casey Red Wolves. You know, I'd be hey, out for that. I, I mean, eventually. Pretty. Not anytime soon. Not right now. <laughs> Not right now. We're okay. We're like okay. Chiefs isn't near as bad as as Redskins. So like, no. we're good. <laughs> Not. But speaking of the Washington Commies, that is who we played on Sunday, and Tybo did get to go to the game. Uh, this is the first home game of the entire season, preseason, regular post, doesn't matter. This is the first home game of the season. Tybo, um, talk about what it is like to be back in the stadium after the loss that we took last year and what the energy was like a little bit. So, I mean, granted, it was it was preseason. You know, there were seats open. This uh this wasn't a packed arrowhead. Um, I even tried to shoot a video of, of walking up the spiral with people doing the tomahawk chop chant. And it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't full blown. So it wasn't really worth the video. It didn't post it anywhere or anything. Um, but just as a Chiefs fan, you know, deep down in my heart, it's nice to get back to arrowhead every year. Like that first, I usually go to a preseason game um, when I have um, season tickets. Um, there's, you know, a kind of a short period in my life. Where my family didn't have them, but we have them again. And that first game, even when, if it is a preseason game, that first game back at Arrowhead, it's just like, this feels right. You know, this has been a part of my life for so long. Um, just to be able to sit out in the parking lot and anticipate, um, watching, you know, players that I love. Um, it was definitely a good feeling, but, um, I don't uh I don't think I don't think the fan base has forgotten at all about that AFC championship game and like clearly not but like the, the, it's it's probably just kind of sitting there in the back of our minds and when we look at um you know Pat's still doing great things but when we when we look at you know the way our running backs produce and the criticisms put along them from the game like there's still like aspects of this team that aren't complete and that thought is always going to be there. Like, man, do we have, do we have what it takes a to get back there and B to get to where the team as a whole wants to be. And we, at, at, that's in the Super Bowl. So, you know, it's, it's a great feeling arrowhead being back, but you know, that thoughts there, but we haven't quite gotten over that loss. Being at the stadium, being able to see, not the camera work that's going on. When you watch it live on TV, you just get to watch the game and whatever, you know, the broadcasters like to put on your screen. And um, tell us a little bit uh, of what you were able to see uh, live and in person there. What were the sidelines like? What were the players like uh, on the sidelines and the field? Um, do, do these guys look ready for the regular season? I would say for the most part, yes. Like I, I understand that this is preseason week two and, you know, there's going to be, there's some things that we're going to do really, really great right now that we request 
progress in once we get to the regular season. And there's some things that we're doing right now poorly that's going to also regress to the mean and, you know, get where it needs to be through the flow of the regular season. So like I myself, and I'm not judging this team too hard on their performance, but they still, they looked ready to play. They looked up for it. And it was, it still felt like a kind of lighthearted mood, but they're ready to play some football. Um, and a lot of, you know, maybe the running backs didn't look the greatest, but a lot of the team, the rest of the team looked great. Defense looked good. Um, <laughs> Furious George. You heard that nickname? Dude, I like it. I like I, it. I'm I do. Not sure. I'm not losing I'm between Carlophagus like, and Furious George. We can, like, we can call him like both at different times. Like when he's fucking up, let's call him <laughs> Carlophagus. But when he's doing, I like he that. gets a sack. That's Furious George. <laughs> so, um, but you know, there's aspects of this team that look that looks really good. Um, offense, um, the first team offense for sure is clicking. Um, <laughs> Mahomes just is, I mean, he's having a heyday with the, with the receiver core that he's got to play with. Um, so I think I, I guess still think we're going to put up a ridiculous amount of points on offense. Like, I don't think, I don't think there's many defenses who can account for the amount of weapons that we have and the creativity of, uh, Andy Reed, Eric, Bieniemy, Patrick Mahomes, Matt Nagy, that whole combination. I mean, it's going to be hard to defend. It's going to be tough. I know having Matt Nagy back is something that we haven't really discussed a whole lot. Um, He is only going to be the quarterback's coach, but he was also the quarterback's coach when Patrick Mahomes, uh, I believe he was only the quarterback's coach when Patrick Mahomes was a rookie, uh, or no, excuse me, uh, in his rookie season and then moved to offensive coordinator uh, in Patrick's first full season as a starter. Um, And those were arguably Pat's biggest development year and Patrick's big, biggest, uh, his best year statistically anyways. Um, so we'll kind of have to see how that works out again. And, and obviously, uh, how that's going to work with, with Eric B as, as the OC. Um, it's never easy to take a backseat once you've had the, uh, the head driver's role. Um, I don't know the way Chicago treated him. He might be okay with it. Like <laughs> I think he's. I mean, obviously, winning cures everything, and and I don't think anybody's going to do well in Chicago. I think they're starting to run that franchise. I've been running that franchise into the ground for quite a while, and I don't know what it's going to take to pull them out of that uh, because they are not the organization that they were oh, just shy of twenty years ago. And it's not Justin Fields. The and answer not is not Justin Fields. Well, <laughs> he could be part of the solution. I mean, it, it doesn't matter who you are. No, The Browns have proved this. No matter what, how much talent you have at QB, no matter how good your QB is, if you put them in a situation where they're not able to develop around bad coaches and even worse players, you can't do anything. There's not a thing in the world that you can do. But that's not who we played on Sunday. So we'll get back to a little bit of commie talk. Um, uh, I mean, Patrick and the first team offense had at least one go altogether. Uh, Patrick did end up throwing 12 for 19 for 162 and two touchdowns. And those two touchdowns, I mean, well, the person who got two touchdowns solely, more a reception touchdown solely, 
Jody Fortson. Man, good night. Does Jody look back and ready to go? I can't I'm name a player I'm that so I'm happy. more excited about on this yeah. team. Like, yes, I love Patrick. Yes, I love Travis. I have been waiting for Willie Gay to really get it going. That's a dude I'm very excited about. Like Nick Bolton is it reminds me of a young DJ. Like there are a lot of guys on this team to be excited about, but there's nobody I'm more excited about than Jody Fortson, a guy who came in from a small college Valdosta state to be able to come in and go, I'm a receiver and then be like, okay, go to the practice squad and then be like, okay, now you need to change your position and actually add on weight and just like learn how to do a couple different things and be like, okay, I can do that. Get thrown back on the practice squad, come off the practice squad, tear your Achilles right when you're starting to heat up and have to restart this entire cycle just to come back and get it's preseason. That's okay. He, I'm ready. Like there, there's not a better story in football. If this man is the successor to Travis Kelsey and Travis has still got like, I would say roughly two to three more years at this really, really high level. I still think he's got two to three years left there and four to five years left on the team. Totally kind of, you know, coming in when he needs to and being that coaching and mentor role. But to have that torch passed on from a guy like Travis to a guy like, like Jody Fortson and know that Jody Fortson has the durability and the, and the mentality to push on through the adversity, no matter what, like, that is that is a true story. Yeah, his path has not been easy. He he definitely did, he did it the hard way. He did it the long haul way. And I mean, it's something you'll it's something you love to see. It's like someone you was already counted out before, you know, given a chance, like working his way and and, and getting a chance. Um, and then you know, the injury on top of that when you get your chance, which kind of sucked, but. Definitely happy for him. And he's he's a specimen. Um, the dude's a monster and just speaks to how deep we are at the skill position. And really cool. He's he's not that old. And he's 26 years old. He's gonna be 27 just before the year's end. Um you think about that, like he he is barely he's older than a, he's barely older than a guy like Saquon Barkley. He's not even a year older than Saquon. What's funny enough is Tybo and I were born uh in the in the same year. We're actually just a little bit older uh than Jody Fortson. So uh to know like yes 26 you start thinking like yeah that's probably right in the middle of of their career because they should be coming in at, at 21 22 so they should be breaking out and that's perfect he's starting to break out he was a later round draft pick so he's sh- you know th- he's developing and where he should be um it's going to be exciting to f- like let's get a full season under this guy and let's start putting him out there and and it is like we just got news today on Tuesday that Blake Bell is out for what's possibly going to be the season. We've got three different options that we can use on him. He had uh, surgery on his hip flexor, which it doesn't sound good, but uh, Andy Reid did say um, that it was not going to be a quick process. So we've got uh, three 
three things that we can use on Blake Bell, which is going to determine the rest of the outcome with the 53-man roster. Uh, with Blake Bell, we can keep him on the initial 53 and then place him on IR after we've made the 53, uh, which we can then maybe designate him on the IR for return after week eight. Uh, we can keep him on the 53 until he's fully healed, or we can place him on the IR before the 53 and officially end his campaign for the season. Well, what about the what about the pup list and and the first four games? Um, because uh, because the initial thought process is that he's going to be out for at least eight weeks, the pup list would not um, be oh, designated I thought, for him. But yeah, I mean that's a that's a real finicky muscle. It's an awful area of the body to get an injury because it just kind of even once it's healed, like it, you you feel it for a little bit. And he did, he did go in for like surgery. I believe it was today. It was uh, either the 22nd or the 23rd. So uh, you're right. It is finicky and it is hard, Um, but that changes our lineup a little bit. We've still got a guy like Noah Gray. So that's going to help out Noah Gray, uh, who has also looked really, really good this preseason through two games so far um, and being able to get development. Uh, I'm excited to see him after all the, the way that he was talked up last season to see if we can get him on the field and actually participate outside of blocking schemes is going to be really interesting. Well, he's had a couple of videos out of camp too, where he's looked really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you want to just go ahead and get into cuts um, and continue talking about like the, where the roster, what the roster is looking like. Yeah, let's, let's talk about the roster a little bit and uh, we can kind of cover those positions on how players uh, played a little bit uh, back on Sunday. Because uh, we have, al- along with two cuts or three cuts that we just made, uh, and these three three guys, like I told you before, show I have I had didn't even know they're on the team. I don't recognize these names, um, but we cut a defensive back, Nasir Greer, um, and we cut an offensive. What'd you say? Dope name, Nasir Dope Greer. Nasir Greer. Okay, sorry to have let him go. <laughs> we cut offensive lineman David Steinmetz. Um, and then a cornerback, Brandon Dandridge. And I mean, these are these are non-factor guys to me. These are kind of some obvious cuts. Um, but the the two moves left to make um is uh Lucas Niang being put on uh the pup list. So at minimum he has to miss the first four games of the season. Um and he doesn't count towards our 80 right now. And then Derek Gore, um, I guess he picked it up in the in the game against Washington. Um, he's going on injured reserve with a fractured thumb. Um, so uh, skill positions, defensive backs, and offensive line. There's more. There's more wiggle room. There's more op- opportunities for guys to make the team now because some. Um, a couple of areas, some big names um, are not on the 80 man roster right now. Yeah. When you go back and you look at um, inside of those cuts, like you, you start looking at it kind of the snap counts and you see that Rojo only had nine snaps. And most of that was towards the end of the game uh, versus uh, like Jared McKinnon and Clyde who had seven and eight snaps at the beginning of the game. Um, you start thinking, okay, yeah, Rojo's probably not making the cut um, or is going to be traded before full cuts have to be made. 
to now, okay, Derek Gore is probably going to be out close to the full season. And he was really a practice squad player last year that was brought into the fold of the 53 at the end of the season. So Rojo's probably going to stick around and be our uh, four back, which is fine. Um, uh, that, if we that ever do run up. goal line, he's probably going to get in for, for those carries. I mean, CEH didn't look bad on some of his goal line carries, but uh, it'd be nice to not have to risk CEH in those situations. Yes. And, and obviously Jarek is probably going to be a, a, a guy before him. And we know that even though he's small, he's got a lot of power and can push that in on, on goal line situations if needed. Uh, Tayon Fleet Davis also had quite a few carries Honestly, never heard of that guy before I saw him on the field on Sunday. Um, he, he carried the he carried the rock, I, I thought, fairly well, given the few chances that he did get. Um, but man, I, the guy I who say, ran the ball the best um, was a quarterback, wasn't it? Shane Bouchelle. Man's trying to make the team again. He was a uh, protected practice squad player for last year, which is not surprising, um, as he is very highly touted by the coaching staff. And when you watch him, uh, obviously he's no Patrick Mahomes. Um, but I think he could be regarded as a guy kind of like Chase Daniels um, through the NFL, um, just a career backup, maybe a guy who comes in, gets you a couple wins. Um, I, I mean, who knows? He could, he's still a very, very young guy. I think this is only his second year in the league. Maybe, yeah, I believe second year in the league. So he could end up making it somewhere if he needed to. Now, a lot of the time, we only go into the season with two quarterbacks. Who would you rather have, Michelle or Henny, right now? I'm still going to take Henny, and it's not based on his ability to play. It's based on the fact that Henny's not going to go to the practice squad. He'll either go to another team or he'll retire. It's not really a question. You always, always, always want to have a vet in 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 the room. Henny's also shown that he can win us games, that he still has the ability. Anything is possible. If Pat does end up going down, like we're going to need to bring a quarterback up anyways. So you just bring Shane Bichelle up. You just bring him, activate him off the practice squad. And if you want Shane Bichelle to play, then he theoretically becomes your number. What would have been your number two? You're just putting him on the practice squad because you value um, Henny. You value Henny based on uh, uh, what he can bring to the team as basically an extra coach. Look at uh, Udonis Haslam for the Heat. He's been a bench player for like <laughs> 35 years. And yeah. only take like he doesn't take up that much money, and he's willing to just sit on your team and be an extra coach so that you can pay it him a little bit of money, like and just use up a roster spot for a guy who can be useful, not pay yeah. him a coach's salary because he's not going to stick around for that little of pay. Um, so it, it, it's kind of one and the same. Um, I get you. Michelle is, is going to be one of those guys. Now, there were a bunch of the rookies that did stand out defensively. We did win by 10. Again, it's just a it's just a preseason game. I'm not going to count it and win or loss or look at it that way. But Chris Lammons just sealed his spot on the 53 man somewhere. Somewhere. That's DB. Special teams. He was flying all over all over there was not a time where he was not covering something on kick or punt he was there in the face of somebody every single time and you get him on defense he's got two pbus five solo tackles and he got an interception which basically sealed the game 
And the guy Listen, why did we ever need great. to abbreviate pass breakup to PBU? Just say pass breakup. It's okay. I like it. I like it. I don't know. Peanut butter and jelly university. I don't know. I don't know. Peanut butter. Uh, Furious George know. looked pretty good. The motor was showing his sack from this game looked better than the last sack. In my opinion. Uh, Listen, I've been critical of Karloffagus. It wasn't a shot at you. It wasn't. A shot I've, at you. I've been good. No, no, no. I understand. Like, I've, I was critical of him. And I, the one thing I had always said is I hope he proves me wrong. And I, I have always said I will happily eat my words. I would much rather eat my words than be correct about a player who is on my favorite team. And so far, Karlofagus uh, is making me eat my words. Shout out Dan Harms. I think he said the exact same thing on Twitter. And I think we talked about your guys' doubts um, on, on him in the, in when, the off season. Yes. If you want to go go back and listen to that, we did have Dan <laughs> Harms on. Daniel Harms and I both had said the same things. We were, you know... Um, so, you know, I'm happy to eat again, preseason. We'll have to see how it goes. We did have the injury with, uh, Carlos Dunlap's Achilles. We don't know how serious it is. So that may even mean more playing time for Karloftis. I will, we'll have to see, but I am intrigued. I will not say impressed, but I am intrigued. Uh, another rookie that looked really good. Uh, Leo. In the run game, specifically, dude's a monster. Dude knows how to create contact and just fuck everything up. <laughs> right. he, he's there. Now, again, most of his time is in the fourth quarter. Um, he's been getting in a little bit earlier. He had a couple snaps, I believe, in the second quarter. So he's getting in there. He's making some plays. He's going to be a guy to watch through the entire season, given how the NFL likes to play with injuries um, and what different defenses Spags is going to want to line up with if we're going to be in the base and run him at Sam, uh, if we've got to move off the nickel, kind of what Spags wants to do with his defense. I think he's got a little bit more versatility uh, this year than any other time. I mean, I don't I don't think he's going to get a tremendous amount of playing time, but I think he's going to come in and make some impact, impact plays in the regular season. Um, but as I said last week, um, I, he's progressing at an acceptable rate. Like, I like where he's at. I like how he's come along um, so far. Who's through two games so far, Tybo? Who's to end it off? Who is one of the rookies on the defensive side outside of Karloftis who stood out to you the most? Um, I mean, I just talked about Leo looking good, but I think the standout is Brian Cook. Um, uh, like, we were talking about him before the preseason, like, not getting a whole lot of buzz. Um, but he's he's shown, like, he deserves a spot. He deserves playing time. Um, I, I, I like him in this defense. And, uh, yeah, that's probably – that's who I have to say is a standout for me besides George. I like that he he does look good i'm excited to see him in the nickel packages um i'm also i think my standout rookie is going to have to be joshua williams corner at six foot three he moves so quickly he can stay in stride and also stay low through the breaks follow and mirror really well um he's going to be a guy who i think is going to get tested early and weather a lot of those early storms um 
which is going to be really, really interesting um, to see. I think the one player on defense who is going to set the NFL on fire, I think Nick Bolton's too easy of a pick, so I can't go (laughs) with him. Willie Gay. Willie Gay is going to set the league on absolute fire this season. He said one of his goals is to lead the league in uh, linebacker interceptions. I th- he's got the skill set to be able to do so. Um, I think he's got the playbook down now. Um, this is hopefully we've getting we're going to get a full season out of him as a starter. I think he's going to set the league on fire. Who do you got, Tybo? Just talking about defense? There's a defensive player, um, one of our defensive players that may be coming under the radar that people should keep a lookout for. I mean, he's not flying under the radar by any means, but uh, McDuffie's going to be a good corner. Well, I, I, that's a good call. He, more so than Joshua Williams, is – looking very primed yeah. for a very, very good, strong season. I don't think we've been this excited for a rookie at corner since the likes of Marcus Peters. And the one thing that differentiates Marcus Peters from Trent McDuffie, McDuffie's not afraid to tackle. Was, He'll get down. I was going to say, I was about to say like the physicality, like by far pressing people, and staying with a bigger receiver and then tackling the physicality of the position by far. Trent McDuffie has that over Marcus Peters. Now, ball skills and popping the ball out, that's something he's probably going to have to get a little bit better at. But Something also um, we just need to see. Like, we just haven't seen it yeah. either. It's, it's preseason, so that, that's a little bit of a difference. I, but um, I would agree. When you, when you mentioned Willie Gay, like, the only thing that was going through my head is, like, just – on paper to us, probably not to the rest of the the nation, especially when Madden's giving him a 70-whatever rating. But right. on paper, in my opinion, we have one of the best pairs of linebackers in the NFL. Nick Bolton and Willie Gay are some just dogs. Like, I mean, there's a lot of teams that have maybe one linebacker that's better than both of them. But, like, show me a pair of linebackers that are as good as Nick Bolton and Willie Gay. Yes, I would agree. And um, it, it's interesting. Um, Willie Gay's headed into year three. He was not a first round pick. We've only got him this year and next year. And and um, I'm hoping if he can ha- stand out. Yeah. If we have to let him go, like, year, it's going to be sad. It's going to be very sad. And I don't think that's the case. We're going to have a lot of cap going into next year. We've got a few positions to shore up most definitely. But I think if we can get him to play a full season healthy and be able to show out this year, I think we can hit him with a contract before next season starts with the extension onto the four years, not really have a problem, set it up for two to three years and then revisit again uh, when we've kind of got the cap down in a manageable position. But also, more importantly, we've got to be able to see this year um, because as much as we're anticipating, as much as we know his playing style and how good he actually is, he's got to put it together in a full season. Um, and that's going to be the most important thing. For sure. Um, we did have a little bit other news before we break into Thursday's game, uh, which will be the last preseason game of the season before we cut for a week and a half into week one uh, against the Cardinals. Um 
there was a quote from uh, a, a former chief. Uh, I think he played a total of 12 games in three years. Like he just what everybody was really hyped for him. And then we realized, oh, he's the same guy who he was in in uh, in Buffalo. Um, Sammy did talk, say that Aaron Rodgers is on a whole other level compared to Patrick Mahomes, which which doesn't make sense because it's not just Patrick. It's also Andy. But like like he's going to a whole totally different situation and it, it just doesn't seem seem very conducive. I mean, it's just it's the same thing as. Tyree Kill talking about Tua being the most accurate quarterback. Like he's got to say that when he's on his team. Like he's got to he's got to talk up his quarterback. Um, I don't believe it for a second. I don't think uh, they believe. Like, um, <laughs> 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 which begs the question to be asked, and it's probably rhetorical. But like, what's happening is we've got players leaving Kansas City after having finding a lot of success you would say even as in as little time as sammy Watkins actually played he did have a very good success he got his first and only super bowl ring i don't foresee him winning another one um or even contributing to another one as injury prone as he is um but i think it speaks more to the kansas city chiefs coaching staff that players don't really get to talk to like they get to talk to the media but it's a lot of like coach or quote unquote quarterback speak uh, where you're saying words, but it really doesn't mean a whole lot. Um, And that should, that should, I don't know if that's really how it should be because the entertainment value is also really good when players make stupid comments like Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes aren't on the same level when we can clearly see with our own eyes. Um, But it's also interesting to see how coaches um, can like, control their situations completely different as well and it's it's age it's era it's all of these other things uh, but i think that leads into tybo you, you had another top five? Oh yeah 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 um a little late um as far as why i wanted to do this top five um but in honor of dick Vermeil um getting his gold jacket um and being inducted into the nfl hall of fame um, shout out the man who coached the the teams that made me fall in love with the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, Priest Holmes, Tony Gonzalez, Trent Green, that the wonderful offensive line, um, Tony Richardson, Greg Wesley, Jerome Woods. I could name them all. Uh, <laughs> um, shout out Dick Vermeil. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I wanted to give a list of the top five coaches in um, Chiefs history, and we've only had a total of thirteen in our you know long history. We're one of the oldest that's, teams. That's not a lot of coaches. Like the Browns have yeah. gone through co- thirteen coaches in the last fifteen years. Right. So to, to thirteen coaches in. What sixty years now? I believe it is sixty-two, somewhere in there. It's pretty crazy. As poor as our history was, it's good to show like the Hunt family does have the coaches' backs uh, until it's just no longer there. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Our franchise is definitely one to be modeled after. We don't have all the rings as a as a as a Pittsburgh or a New England, but as far as like the way we run our stuff, um, the Chiefs. You know, I feel like are well respected in that regard. 
Um, but jumping into the list here, um, my number five um, probably is not a fan favorite. Um, there's arguments for other coaches to be number five on this list, but my four through one are, you know, that's obviously our top four coaches. Um, so number five was the only real subjective one. Um, and this is kind of like a personal bias. Like I like him as a person. Um, he's not in the hall of fame or anything, but like he has his place in NFL history. Um, he's a former player. Um, number five is Herman Edwards. Um, I always liked how he carried himself. Um, I mean, he's back to coaching now. He's like coaching Arizona state or something like that. Um, um, so like the guy loves football, wants to be around football. Um, and I mean, the jets weren't the greatest team, um, uh, under him, but like he had some, he had some bright spots. Um, I think he, I think Curtis Martin played for him. Um, but Herm's Herm's a good guy and it, that's why he makes my, my top, my five. Um, but number four, um, only a, a little bit of malice towards this person because he coached the chargers. Um, but Marty Schottenheimer, um, kind of known as a legendary defensive coach. Um, and, uh, I, I believe he's the guy that basically led Gus or, Oh, what's his name? I can't think of it right now, but he, he, he was our, our defensive coordinator underneath Marty Schottenheimer that got his shot to Gunther Cunningham. Um, got his shot to coaches in the nineties and didn't do, he did terribly. Uh, um, but <laughs> Marty Schottenheimer, um, was responsible for some really, really great defenses in the eighties and nineties. Um, so definitely that's why Marty Schottenheimer's on this list. Um, and just overall kind of a respected guy in the NFL. Um, number three, um, even though he did just make the hall of fame, um, he's, he's number three on the list. Dick Vermeil, um, legendary head coach. Um, he's the coach of the Eagles in the movie invincible. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm almost yes. positive. Yes, I could look that up, but no Dick Vermeil, cool guy. Great coach. Again, a lot of people have the utmost respect for him and, he he coached guys like Priest Holmes and Will Shields and Tony Richardson that were just like the nicest guys. And you have to think that like, you know, that this is going to sound funny. Dick rubbed off on him a little bit <laughs> <laughs> because Dick Vermeil was just always a professional guy. Um, he, he, he's emotional. Um, he's passionate. Um, and the, one of the reasons why I fell in love with Chiefs football as a kid, for sure. Um, number two, keep matriculating the ball down the field, boys. Mr. Hank Stram, the reason for our, uh, yeah, yeah. If wow. that tells you who's number one at number two, <laughs> at number two, Hank Stram, the reason for our first NFL title. Um, I mean, just there's no, there's no taking away from, from Hank's place in NFL history. The the Chiefs, you know, that's before we got who we have right now, you know, that was our claim to fame. Um, but that leads me to number one. The reason for the redemption of this franchise for a, a large part, our our second ring 50 years after our first one, 
big red Andy Reid. And there was a there was a little clip I caught on social media shortly after um, Dick Vermeil's induction, and he had an emotional little segment talking about how Andy had met him um, after the ceremony. Um, uh, he was walking into something. Uh, it, I don't know if it was an after party or just like a get together after the after the celebration. Um, but Andy Reid um, expressed to Dick Vermeil like how how much he admired him and how much he deserved like getting into the Hall of Fame. And I just I think it's really cool that both coaches coached the Eagles and the Chiefs. Um, and, uh, you know, Andy Reid has done wonderful things for this organization. He's done wonderful things for the game of football overall. Um, and I mean, just the dude is top notch and we're lucky to have him on the team and he's number one in my top five chiefs coaches in our history. That's a, that's a good top five. I think it's controversial. Um, I think I think Herm has to be included in there. I think you're right with his energy. Um, I, it's funny, even though funny, you said go go I, for it. I did I did say Todd Haley, and that was meant 100 <laughs> percent as a joke because that guy needed to not be in football again ever afterwards, <laughs> and he did okay with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, funny enough, um, after the top four that you mentioned, as a fun fact, we don't have a coach with a winning record. After yeah. our top four, which is yeah, even even Herm Edwards, I believe, had a thirty four percent win percentage. It wasn't uh, pretty, which is not good. And I think Todd Haley <laughs> was the the highest after the four at forty four percent. I don't think I can agree on the Andy Reid at number one yet. I think it's very close, but not yet. Just because Hank Stram was here for sixteen years, he was here from us being the uh, uh, Dallas Texans and moving, you know, this many states north and we're having to reset and reorganize and go from being in the AFL to joining the NFL. I think just for those reasons alone, I think he has done just that much more for our organization. Now, Fandy wins another ring, another two rings. He sticks around for four. I was going to say, what, what's it going to take for I, like Andy it's, to it's pass not him? Take, Is it just it's one not more take, ring? Like, it's probably one more ring okay. to tie him. I would say like that's a 1A, 1B situation. It's very close. But because of the organizational standards that Hank Stram helped bring in with the Lamar Hunt and all the moving that had to be done and creating of an entire help creating of an entire league and winning on top of that being the first AFL team to win a national or a, a Super Bowl, quote unquote, um, like that, that in itself is a giant feat. And I think that can't go unmatched in, in my mind. And that's fine. That's, I mean, that's a, it's a reasonable criticism. Like I'm, you're not going to get an argument out of me. Oh, I'm yeah. just not changing my top five. Because Andy's not done. Andy and Pat are not done. No. Okay. Like we're, we're getting at least one more ring out of these motherfuckers. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah, no, like I think, I think you are right. When all is said and done, like Andy Reed will be the greatest coach in, in chiefs kingdom history. I do not disagree with that at all. I like that. To follow up here, we do have a little bit of news. Andy Reid did talk today, uh, a few hours ago, about Juju Smith-Schuster. He's quoted in saying that Juju has 
turned a corner and should be fine. Don't know how early. That's or what how got him hurt in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, I don't know how early or soon that's going to be. Andy has always said by week one that he'll be ready. Same with CJ and McColl. Um, there's no reason to play starters in the preseason. I think the Rams have shown that um, consistently in and out. Um, Tom Brady just missed like seven weeks of preseason and is still going to be fine. Um, so like, I'm okay with the starters sitting out, keep them healthy, be ready for week one. They're professionals. This isn't college. This isn't high school. They're, they're going to be fine. And I, I don't think a week one Cardinals is even, even better than the worst team in the AFC West, but it's a good test for us coming out the gate. Um, and I think it's, you know, the way we play in that game is going to tell us a lot how this how this season's going to go. It's it's going to be it's going to be. I think it's a very good test, like you said. We're just going to have to see how it plays out. A healthy Cardinals at the beginning of the season has always been a very very good team, no matter who they've played against. Um, really, outside of that, like we don't have much. We've already talked about the cuts. Um, we're down to eighty. We've got a long way to go. We've got two and a half weeks to get from 80 to 53. Got one game, two and a half weeks to get down to 53. And then guess what, Chiefs? Kingdom. It's time for week one. It's almost here. I always thought that was a crazy jump, though, when they condensed the preseason to three games, going from 80 to 53. Like, that's a, that's a tough decision. It's hard. Like, the cuts were way more gradual with the four-game setup. Well, you could go down. I, I think there was even more. I think they have not allowed so many cuts. It started off with the 90 to 84 to 80 to 53, whereas two years ago it was 90 to, I want to say 80, and then it was like 80 to 65, and then it was like 65 to 53. Because we had the four, you had four cut periods, whatever it was. Um, so there was, it was a little bit more gradual. Um, you lose that game though, and you keep the same time frame, doesn't really make sense. I mean, realistically, you're going to have to go from 80 to 53, but you're still going to have to do that over two weeks. So it's still really the same time frame. It's just less, one less game played. But it, it, that's why it's also harder on the coaches. The coaches wanted the preseason. The players didn't want the preseason. The NFLPA didn't want the preseason um, as much, but they still had to also fight for it a little bit because that helps their players get on teams. Uh, it's just kind of a, a difficult thing that they've got to play through. And the only thing that's going to make a difference is adding in an extra game, which the NFL all, all has been talking about. You add in a, a, an extra bye week uh, with that, make the season go to 20 weeks uh, from from what it was at 17 up to 20. It, it's going to be a mess. It's going to be a mess. It's going to be a nightmare. Um, there's not much else uh, in the way of news that's come out so far. Um, no, no injuries other than what's already reported. Uh, we're down to 80, like I said, um, with one game left to go on Thursday. Tybo, uh, this is this is on Thursday against the Green Bay Packers at home. This is our last home game 
um, until week two against the Chargers, the first Thursday night game of the year, the first game that's going to be on Amazon Prime in this final game on Thursday, 25th, Tybo, what are you going to be looking for to round out the preseason? I don't know. I've, I've, I've seen a lot of what I wanted to see already. Like the, the parts of the, the, def, the, the parts of the team that like I was questionable about, like I've, I've already seen a lot of good things and I'm not necessarily worried anymore. But uh, after watching the last game and the criticisms that were rightfully given to our running backs, um, I think that's what I am looking for is, is the running backs to clean it up um, be more decisive and you know just get get some more yards when the offensive line is moving the line of scrimmage three yards you know in our favor so um i think that's what i'll be looking for i i think that's that's probably it for me too i've seen patrick be able to spread the ball around that was one of my main worries um throughout the offseason is who's going to be there and who's going to be ready i think we've got some guys um, I'm not fully convinced on a few of them, but I think we've got some guys. We need to get that run game going, and it's not the offensive line's fault, uh, which is scary. Um, defensively. Concerning. I'm not that scared. I still, uh, even uh, yes. what I'm seeing, I still think the offense is going to put up between 30 and 40 points a game. I, I meant just more specifically the run game is starting to be a little scary. I would put the run game specifically at scary uh, just a little bit above uh, <laughs> the, a, a level up above concerned. Um, I think there's concern offensively with not being able to be that diverse, um, but I'm not really that worried about it compared to just specifically the run game. Um, so yeah, I, you're, you're right. And um yeah, I mean, everything else, like you said, I think we're ready to just get in there and see what the dudes can do when it means something. Um, this is the final warm-up. It's the final go of things. Thursday, prime time on the televisions. I believe it's going to be a nationally televised game again. So be ready for it. And um, yeah, I'll be, be ready for <laughs> Yeah, Tybo's going to be there. That'll be awesome. Dude's got season tickets. We'll get us some content out there. And then we'll be ready. We'll, we'll do the cuts. We'll be ready. And uh, we'll have some changes to this season's shows um, as we kind of do some other things like we've talked about. Uh, so be ready for those. Um, yeah. And just be just be ready for those Chiefs. Uh, we thank you for listening. And as always, go Chiefs.